Hey, everyone. So before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to put a little disclaimer at the top here that my wife and I decided to get ducks and chickens a couple weeks ago, and they're very cute. We have four little chicks and two little ducks, and it's March here in PA, so it's still a little too cold for them to go outside till they've fully matured and grown their feathers. And so if you haven't heard already, because I pretty sure you probably can hear it in the background. I have them in our basement in a little crate with a little heater there. And so no matter what I do, they are going to be tweeting in the background and making noise. And I hope it's not too distracting. I hope perhaps our editor, Chris, will be able to do a good job at filtering some of that out. But if it's in the background, I hope it's not too noticeable and just think about it like we're having a conversation at like a farm or something and there's just some cute little chicks in the background so i hope it's not too distracting and i just wanted to say something at the front because otherwise people would probably just notice and say something anyway so with that said we will go right into today's episode if christ is king how should the christian consider the kingdoms of this world what does the bible teach us about human authority and what it means to love our neighbors and our enemies. Before we render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, let's know what it means to render unto God what is God's. This is the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, the modern prophetic voice against war and empire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. This week and every week on Biblical Anarchy, we seek to live counterculture to the empire of man and to instead seek the kingdom of God by unpacking what the Bible teaches about government, authority, and human relationships. I am your host, Jacob Daniel. For today's episode, I wanted to chime in a little bit into the conversation about the He Gets Us commercial that aired during the Super Bowl last month. And this commercial seemed to get a lot of reaction from people on the left and the right, because I remember seeing Alexandria Cortez reacting to it and saying that it was promoting fascism or something to that effect. And then I saw a lot of people on the right who were reacting to it negatively as well. And I had my own reactions to it. And I've been thinking about it for the last few weeks because there's just a lot of moving pieces to this. And I thought it would be worth to do a little short episode reacting to it. The premise of the episode, and I'd play it, but it doesn't really work well to play it on an audio-only podcast because there's really no words to it. It's just some music, and it's a bunch of pictures that are sort of displayed one after another in succession, and they depict a lot of different conflicts, some of them happening at protests or on the streets or people arguing in just various different settings and being... You could tell from their body expressions and their facial language that there's definitely a lot of hate and animosity and conflict going on. And so like it builds up, then it stops, and then it says that Jesus loves the person that you hate. And essentially that he gets us. <laughs> and then links to loveyourenemies.com. So I went and typed in that link and read what they had to say. And looked more into the organization. The organization definitely has a bit of a leftist sort of social progressive agenda and background, although 
the article itself that's linked to in that commercial, there's nothing about it that I can really point to and necessarily disagree with. I agree with the idea that, of course, that we have to overcome hate with love. I agree with the fact that Jesus commanded us to love our neighbor and our enemies and that Jesus loved everybody and Jesus loves the people, even the people that we hate. But here's where we get tricky. It's because there's this weird tension, and I've talked about this before, where people use the word love and they mean it in a way that I think is just fundamentally unbiblical. And this sort of message doesn't work well or sell well on Twitter or social media because it's just it's too nuanced. It's too lengthy. I remember this meme that I see pop up probably once a year. And it's like, there's like a huge line on the left and there's one person on the right. And it's like a fork in the road. And on the left, it says short, but wrong. And then the other one is like right, but complicated. And although I think that can be maybe overgeneralized, I don't think the truth is always complicated. But I do think that Sometimes the truth is just more complicated than what the easy lie sounds like. So, yes, Jesus loved everybody, and that Jesus calls us to love our enemies. And absolutely, to start out with, and this connects to what the Bible teaches us, and this also reflects what libertarian anarchism teaches us, is that we cannot initiate violence against people just because they are different than us just because they look different from us, or even if they're doing things that we view to be morally wrong, if those things are not causing like any sort of violation of rights or violation of property, if there's no victim, there's no crime. And if there's no crime, then we're not biblically authorized to initiate force against anyone or to use, you know, there's no way to use retaliatory force or defensive force against someone who isn't initiating aggression would be the more accurate way to put it. And I think the Bible teaches that. Again, I think libertarian anarchist philosophy teaches that. And so absolutely, I do think within the church that we do see that there is sometimes bigotry. And that's not a word that I often like to use because I think that in today's society, that word is really overused. It's like the word racism and sexism are overused. And on the left, it's always about an ism. You're, you know, it's, you're going to be homophobic or transphobic or something like that. And at the same time, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And absolutely, I do think that there are those within the church who judge the sin and the sinner. And I think that there are those in the church who do form a prejudice against people based upon certain characteristics or certain markers of their identity. And I don't agree with that. I don't think that's biblical. I think that we're told that we are all one in Christ Jesus and we are to call people to repentance. We're not to initiate violence against them. People are going to have a harder time coming to Christ if we are, A, being bad representatives of Christ by using his name in vain to do things that are contrary to what he taught and what he commanded. And secondly, I don't think that genuine evangelism can be done under the threat of coercion, at least not human coercion. And this gets into, you know, this reminds me of the conversation I had with Greg Baus on the 
last episode where we talked about how it is God's prerogative to judge sinners. And that necessarily means that it's not our prerogative to judge sinners, right? Like only God is capable of either administering that sort of justice or vengeance upon rebellious sinners who have not come to repentance, or he offers them mercy and he draws them to repent and they receive him and they are born again and they are inheritors of the kingdom of God. And that's what we should be praying for people, but they're not able to go through that journey if we, or they're, I mean, they, God is sovereign, so he can find ways to bring people through anyway, but we are not following God's commands when we forego the call to be fishers of men and we instead decide to initiate force against them. But on the flip side here, love doesn't mean affirming everything anyone does. And this is what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians 13, it's a passage you hear at a wedding sometimes, but I often think that's sort of like incorrect because I don't think that's the kind of love that's really being talked about here, although it can apply. But starting in verse four, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So what do we get from this? Well, there's a dichotomy here and two things at play that are in tension with one another, which is the idea that love is patient, it's kind, that it endures and that it lasts and that it seeks to weather whatever comes. But at the same time, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth and that love, and you could say that love is tied to the truth and that you can't be loving someone and affirming their th- some kind of lie or affirming them in their wrongdoing. How we respond to their wrongdoing or how we bring correction and bring truth matters. The means do matter. And in fact, there's that expression, the means justify the ends. But I think that the correct response to that is that, well, means become ends. And so here's where the rubber hits the road here with this commercial and what my reaction to it, which is that, yes, we need to be promoters of peace. We need to be promoters of living at peace with everyone as it depends upon us. And that means that we have to acknowledge that there are going to be people who aren't Christians. We need to acknowledge there will be people who are going to be living in sin and that we are not called to pick up the, to bear arms or to wield the sword against sinners in that capacity if they are not violating anyone's rights. If they are living in sin, that they are hurting themselves and that they are sinning against God and that it is God's prerogative to, to do something. And our job is to love these people, to be patient with them, to preach the gospel to them, to hopefully be a conduit who, through our lives and our example, that we point to Christ. But an important part to pointing people to Christ is understanding our need for a Savior. And we can't understand our need for a Savior entirely if we don't understand that we are sinners. And it's harder to make this to make the gospel message resonate if we are condoning things that the Bible clearly espouses as sinful and trying to twist the scriptures to make it say that they in fact aren't. And 
this is my problem with the message from that commercial is that if we're talking about Jesus loves our enemies and that means no violence upon them and that means not giving into prejudices or bigotries, not engaging in sort of a identity politics and instead trying to just have a general compassion towards all of our fellow man. I'm for that 100%. But some of the sort of subtext of the message, both both based upon the organization and how people on the left have taken the message and tried to run with it, is that, oh, well, if you aren't accepting, if you're not affirming of LGBT people, if you don't believe in this sort of woke agenda of ours, or it could even be like if you don't support universal health care, if you don't support certain welfare programs from the government, then you are failing to completely love your neighbor or your enemy. And that is where I have significant pushback because I think that it is possible to love someone and to call them to repentance, to love someone and to not advocate for force against them, but to not compromise on what the truth is. And the truth is, is that God made us in his image and he made it made us man and woman and that we are supposed to go out and be fruitful and to multiply. It says that man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. And that is what God has ordained. And I will not let people twist my arm into affirming things that I know to be sinful in the name of trying to love my enemies. And like, it's not that they're my, an enemy to be someone who's like doing violence upon me, not someone who's engaged in sin. We're all sinners and we're all in need of a savior. And whether when I'm loving anybody, my love is always striving to be that towards if they are a brother or sister in Christ, towards trying to encourage them and help make sure that we're bolstering each other's faith and that we're iron sharpening iron. And if they're not in Christ yet, then, you know, I love them as an image bearer of God and I try to point them to Christ. And that includes pointing them to repentance. And it's not hateful to call people to repentance. It's not hateful to stand on what is both biblical truth and what is even scientific truth up until like the last couple decades when the left hijacked the institutions and introduced a lot of uh, post like gone astray critical theory and postmodernism applied incorrectly. Cause I don't view those things as inherently always bad, but they're definitely weaponized in a unhealthy, destructive way by the left and the current establishment in many of our modern day institutions. And so no, a man is a man is a wo- and a woman is a woman. And I don't hate someone who is transgender. I don't hate someone who is homosexual. I view those people as anyone else who's living in a falling world, who has been touched by sin and who is living in sin and separate from God. And my prayer is for them to be born again in Christ and to be a new creation and to see them be made free from the bondage of sin that they're found in. And I have seen this happen. I have friends of mine who used to be transgender 
and through Christ found themselves shedding that old skin and saying, you know what? My identity doesn't come from my feelings or my sinful desires. My identity is in Christ and I choose to follow him and I will bear my cross and I will pick up and carry my cross and follow after him as he commanded. And I am who he says I am. And that's what I pray for people. And that is coming from a place of complete love, not hate for the person. If I hate anything, I only hate what the sin is doing to their lives and seeing how it is leading them towards destruction. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, but sometimes for a certain period of time, we can be deceived and we can think that the path that we are on is right because not all that leads to destruction leads to destruction right away in the moment. Sometimes the negative consequences are delayed. They don't necessarily happen in obvious ways even sometimes. On the surface, something can look good, but underneath it can be old or decaying or broken. So I decided that I wanted to do this episode. And then the episode that I'm going to release next after this will be a conversation I had with my friend Torin, who went through a journey of falling away from the faith and going into a transition into living as a transgender woman and going through that. And then like the prodigal son shedding that and coming back to Christ and re-embracing his masculinity. And this wasn't done lightly and it wasn't something that he did through anyone coercing him or anyone browbeating him. This was a journey that he went through and people along the way, including people like me and other friends of his, just loved on him and prayed with him. And we didn't demonize him, but we also did not at any point falter on what our beliefs were in terms of what the scripture teaches and our hope for him to find healing and restoration. So that's going to be the end of today's episode, but next week's episode is going to tie into this one. So keep an eye out for that. This episode was a bit on the shorter side. Been doing a lot of longer episodes lately, so a little bit of a break from that. But I hope that overall, next week's episode kind of ties into this one, and I hope that we can understand the dichotomy that's going on here and that, yes, we want to love our enemies and we want to live at peace with all. And I do believe that libertarianism is the consistent expression of what Christian thought and what scripture teaches regarding the use of force and that we are to reject the use of force and coercion to punish sinners or to try to restrict sinners who outside of those who are violating someone else's rights, that we are to only use any type of civil authority or retaliatory force in the market or as individuals only to restrain such evil that is violent or is initiating force against peaceful people. And for those who are committing sin that is just against God, that we're to love them. And that means that we pray with them, that we can still fellowship with them, eat with them, and talk with them, and that we should be patient, we should endure with them, and hope for their restoration, hope for their salvation, and not compromise on the truth, because that is not to their good. So 
Thanks again, everybody, for listening, and we will talk again next week. The Biblical Anarchy Podcast is a part of the Christians for Liberty Network, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. If you love this podcast, it helps us reach more with a message of freedom when you rate and review us on your favorite podcast apps and share with others. If you want to support the production of the Biblical Anarchy Podcast, please consider donating to the Libertarian Christian Institute at biblicalanarchypodcast.com, where you can also sign up to receive special announcements and resources related to biblical anarchy. Thanks for tuning in.